Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that aims to redefine what it means to be an athlete by exploring how movement impacts our lives and how we can all work to reach our full potential. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, the great pleasure of speaking with Luke Iorio. Uh, Luke is a former CEO and president of IPEC, which is the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, um, where he was a part of working to develop curriculums that applied to sports, leadership, relationships, and transitions. Since 2005, uh, he's been a personal coach focused almost entirely on consciousness and spiritual growth. Between his work with IPEC, his podcast, uh, On This Walk, uh, as well as his work as a coach, he has spoken with, interviewed, and worked with thousands of individuals on topics ranging from balance to fulfillment, meaning, performance, engagement, and so much more. Luke and I intersect in so many ways, and it was fascinating to get his perspective and see where he was coming from. Um, We talk a lot about balance. Um, This is something that Luke spends a lot of time thinking about and talking about and works with his clients on. And it's certainly a popular topic uh, on this podcast and something that I'm very interested in, specifically around the language we use to describe balance. Uh, And the fact that balance is really unobtainable, right? That the way that we often go about seeking it finding it, procuring it, does not support us. Um, It doesn't uh, create a life that feels um, fulfilling, uh, that that creates happiness and joy, and it leaves us running around from thing to thing, constantly feeling like we're letting ourselves down. Um, We talk about how detaching from the outcome and really finding flow in the process is such an important part of balance and ultimately a, a, an extremely important part of accomplishing the results that we really desire. Um, we talk about how we really need to let our expectations and desires of a particular outcome, how, how death is an important part of that. Letting those things die, relinquishing the often very, very tight grip that we hold on our expectations and desires around very specific outcomes. And if we can relinquish that and let those things die, that we actually are able to enjoy the process. We're actually able to find that flow, find that rhythm, find that balance. Um, We start to talk about the power of relationships and reaching your full potential. And this is something that, um, that I'm extremely passionate about and believe strongly in. I believe that in order to be the best versions of ourselves, to reach our full potential, we need support. We need relationships um, that support who we want to be, that support our goals, that support how we want to live our lives. And uh, Luke um, certainly feels the same way. So we talk about the power of relationships. We talk about discomfort versus resistance and how ultimately there one that there is an importance in the distinction of that language that with discomfort comes resistance and how do we make that productive how do we take that discomfort that resistance that often accompanies big goals that accompanies the work required to show up for ourselves the work required to 
prioritize our time and set ourselves up for success, there's always pushback um, or resistance when it comes to, um, to how we want to show up and to reaching big goals, whether that's athletically, um, from a career perspective, leadership, relationships, you name it, nothing comes without resistance. And so accepting the discomfort in that resistance is such an important part of the process. And then we spend a great deal of time talking about consciousness, the role of consciousness in reaching your full potential. This is an area of expertise of Luke's and, and an area that he spends a great deal of time talking about and working with his clients on as well as on his podcast and how consciousness really gets at so much of what we talk about. There's an awareness there. There's an ability to be present. The interweaving of consciousness as it relates to our lives as athletes, as our lives uh, as as partners and um, you know brothers, sisters, whatever our identity is and all of our identities, consciousness is a critical part of this. There's an awareness and the need to develop an awareness that is so, so important. Um, and where we land is, is a beautiful um, kind of final, uh, final point that Luke and I arrive at, that, that the need to shift our goals, the need to break out of our patterns, the things that get in our way um, can be described as a movement tunnel or momentum tunnel. And we really have to have a hard pattern interrupt. So if you're in a place where you're struggling, you, you can't seem to apply these things that we're talking about, it really takes a hard stop. It really requires a concerted effort and a redirect to find ourselves in a place where we can really focus on the things that matter most to us, put ourselves first, um, be the person that we want to be both for ourselves and for others. So um, massively impactful episode and conversation with myself and Luke. Um, I know I say this often, but please set aside time to, to listen to this one start to finish. Uh, Luke delivers so many impactful points in his experience, both in the leadership and professional space, as well as the coaching space and working with clients um, on kind of both sides of things uh, really provides such an impactful uh, message. And, and I really am excited to be able to deliver this to, uh, to you guys, uh, our listeners. As always, thomasendurancecoaching.com. If you have any questions um, about what we're talking about, if you need support, if you are interested in what it looks like to integrate these types of, of ideas, themes, topics into your own life in a way that's meaningful, productive, balanced, sustainable, um, please reach out to us. We're here to help. We um, are interested in helping individuals be the best version of themselves, not just for one race or for one season, but for their lives. So if we can help be a part of that support network that you need, if we can be one of those relationships that is impactful and helps you be the best version of yourself. We would love to be a part of that. Please reach out to us again, thomasendurancecoaching.com. You can click the button in the top right corner. Uh, we always offer uh, a free introductory call with our coaching team just to explore how we can support you best. Um, we are here to do just that, to provide relationships, community support that actually um, helps 
you be the best version of you and impact your life in a positive way. So if we can be a part of that, please let us know. Uh, we would love to do so. Um, and last but not least, uh, enduranceminded.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, scroll to the bottom, leave us a comment, questions, concerns. How's this showing up for you? What's coming up? What are you struggling with? What are your wins? Um, what are your stumbling blocks? We want to be a part of the conversation. Thanks so much to our community. You guys are amazing. Um, but stay involved. Let us know what you think. Again, enduranceminded.com. And as always, rate, subscribe, share with anyone that you think would benefit from this conversation. It is the thing that matters most to us and the thing that keeps the podcast world spinning. So uh, rate, subscribe, share. I'm gratefully uh, appreciative. Thank you so much for your support. Please enjoy my conversation with Luke Iorio. Hey everyone, uh, before we dive into this episode, I want to take a moment to tell you about Inside Tracker. As I've talked about at length on the show, my passion is helping individuals discover the tools, resources, and relationships they need to reach their full potential. It's about more than just getting fit or being in shape for one race. It's about realizing the value in the lifetime pursuit of dedicating yourself to become the best version of you that you can be. So no matter what you love, whether it's running, riding your bike, racing, or just getting out and enjoy the great outdoors, you want to do it forever. That's where Inside Tracker can help. As a lifelong athlete who's done everything under the sun, I've gotten blood work done many, many times over the years, and it's always provided critical information. Even when I was feeling great and training hard, my blood work uncovered critical deficits such as low vitamin D and elevated iron. Despite how your training is going or how you're feeling, Inside Tracker helps to uncover specific, individual, and actionable insights that allow you to not only perform better, but feel better and be healthier. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. So, endurance-minded listeners can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded to take advantage of 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. Being an athlete is about more than just completing the right workouts. So visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded today to start taking a proactive approach to understanding what your body needs to perform better and live longer. Luke, how are you? Welcome to the show. Doing well, Taylor. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we were talking offline about our kind of mutual interest in the intersections of lots of different things, um, the athletic space as well as self-development and um, balance and um, entrepreneur and all these kind of things. And so um, I'm excited to see where this goes. We don't, we don't have a plan <laughs> as with uh, all of my podcast uh, interviews. And so this is going to be fun. But one of the things uh, that I am interested in just learning more about for my own edification is your uh, involvement in, um, in the IPEC. And I know you mm -hmm. did some uh, okay. coursework development for, for those, uh, for that group. And um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, you were CEO and president uh, of that group for a long time. Um, so, um, yeah, just maybe start with, yeah. you know, for those of, uh, of us or our listeners that, that aren't familiar what it is and what yeah, your work sure. looked like uh, with, with that group. Yeah, I was I was fortunate to get into the coaching space uh, close to let's see, this would have been in '04 when I originally got uh, introduced, and at the time when I found coaching, uh, I thought you know coming from the athletic background, I just assumed you know coaching was all about sports and everything else. I had no idea how it was applied in life, business, executive performance type coaching work. So it was brand new field for me, and it was a very very early stage in terms of where we were. Uh, and so I ended up joining this company called the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, IPEC, uh, when it was only not even, I think, full five years into existence at that point and got to be able to watch this extraordinary maturing of how coaching could be used to really connect people to higher performance, higher levels of fulfillment and satisfaction within, in, in, within their lives, uh, certainly greater goal attainment. Uh, but I got really interested as I got further and further into the field I got really interested in more of the depth work, really understanding what was it that drove people, that connected them to that sense of purpose, that sense of meaning, and how when you got somebody that level of, of depth, it would translate to significantly higher levels of engagement, of performance, and of leadership and things like that. And so uh, many years after I was there, yes, I, I went on, I, was, uh, I didn't start as CEO president, I became CEO and president while I was there. Uh, I was uh, in that, those roles for over seven, about seven years. And um, as part of uh, kind of the latter stage of that, we were in the midst of me, uh, the founder, Bruce Schneider, one of our other partners, Liz, were in the midst of developing a performance dynamics program uh, now known as Core Performance Dynamics. Um, and it really was around this idea of how is it, let me use the question instead, how is it that on any given day an athlete can show up if they're playing around a golf or they're you know taking the field why is it they can be extraordinary one day and the very next day just be awful, just totally, totally off their yeah. game. And then you look at the same thing in terms of the way that we lead, the way that we manage or we perform within whatever our role is, whether it's at work or at home, why is it that we have these really, really great days? Why is it that we have these really, really low days? And so we got really intrigued of how we could apply what we'd been doing from a coaching perspective, very intimately to connecting it to performance. Uh, and again, it just kept leading back to that depth work uh, that we would get into. We can get into some of that today. Uh, but anyway, that's how it sort of evolved. And then exactly as you kicked us off, all of a sudden I found myself in the, you know, kind of this intersection of uh, performance in the way of both ath athletics as well as performing artists, uh, coaching work, leadership. I was the CEO, so very engrossed in the entrepreneurial side of what we were doing. Uh, all of these things were just kind of intersecting in my world. I love, I, I'm, I'm personally, you know, as I've evolved and grown as a coach and, and continue to, to maintain a, you know, a very strong athletic identity, but also that has become more nuanced and, you know, and it's, it's take, has taken on different roles. I'm, I'm immensely fascinated by the, the real fact, you know, and how I've seen it show up in my life of that, the skill sets that we have often kind of, you know, ascribed to the athletic space right. directly correlate or bleed into every other area of our life. Right. And, 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 and so what were like, how did you guys see that, um, take shape in this, you know, as you were developing, 
uh, core dynamics and these different types of things. I mean, what were the examples of how that work was able to help people show up as a leader or, you know, develop the career they wanted or, you know, show up for their family relationships? I mean, I know there's so much uh, intersection there. What, what, what did that look like for you guys? So uh, if, I, if I talk a little bit just in terms of kind of the framework that's here, right? So I, I said before, there's any given day an athlete can show up and it's not like their skills are, you know, either diminished or enhanced on any particular day. Their skill set, their level of talent is already where it is. And yet some days they can use like the full force of that talent. There's other days where it just doesn't show up the same, right? And so what we started looking at is trying to figure out, okay, what controls whether or not that talent is going to show up in that particular day. And ultimately came at two different factors, which is number one, what was, if you think of it as kind of a, a vertical, we have this diagrammed out, is that you've got your overall capacity, which for us is tied to your energetic capacity or your consciousness. It's truly, literally the way that you relate to any experience that you are, are diving into uh, at any given moment. And then you've got the way that you're in going to engage. So even though you may have this capacity, you may be fully aware of all the ways that you could bring yourself to bear in this particular moment. That doesn't mean you're actually still going to fully engage it. And mm. so you've got the engagement factor, which is a series of different influencers that are things like spiritual and physical, emotional, mental, things like that, that ultimately determine whether or not you're going to bring your full capacity into any given moment. So I describe it this way because once you look at the framework it's a framework per, for performance. It's not simply a framework that relates to sports or athletics or a performing artist. It's a framework that can be used in whatever your role, whatever your project, whatever your activity happens to be. And so we actually ended up adapting it not only to from sports, uh, but to leadership, to relationships, to transitions, because this framework allows you to take a look at, you know, when I say consciousness, that side of your capacity, everything we have ever been through in our lives forms all of those experiences, forms a certain filter for the way in which we interact with the world and the way in which we perceive and project out onto the world. Well, if in our consciousness, there's a lot of restriction, there's a lot of limitation, there's a lot of scarcity, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anger, well, then we're going to limit our capacity because we don't have as many possibilities for the way that we can interact with the world. But if we release a lot of those things and we've got a lot more kindness and compassion, if we're uh, a lot more uh, kind of open-minded and growth mindset in the way that we approach things, then we're going to create a lot more possibilities for all the different ways we can interact. And so that allows us to interact with the world in all of these different ways, regardless of what the role is, the activity that we're going to be performing in. And then we can go into the engagement factors, which is then, can you bring that full capacity in? Uh, but again, at the end of the day, it's a framework so you can apply it to performing at anything. Um, yeah. matter what it is. <clears throat> I love that. I think, you know, I've seen that show up so much in, in my own, you know, work and life and then my, my work with athletes and, and then, you know, entrepreneurs and, and leaders is that there's, there's this kind of foundational consciousness is, is a great to use your word. Cause I think it nails it perfectly that when we, you know, tap into to some of these kind of foundational drivers, it, it allows us to see, you know, how we can reach our full potential in, in all these different areas, you know, and I, I think that's, you know, and I, I, athleticism or what I've called is, you know, consistent movement practice. I mean, however you want to engage with your body um, is a lens through which we can, we can think about these things. Right. And I've, I've, you know, made the argument that 
it's not much of an argument is that you know if you show up for yourself in in that space you can't help but show up for yourself in these other spaces you know you, you, you it almost like you know if you're if you're really connected and you understand what your primary drivers are and this consciousness when it comes to a consistent movement practice well you're not going to you're not going to be unclear you know when it comes to how you want to show up in the world in other areas of your life you know what kind of business do you want to build what kind of leader do you want to build is that what you guys I mean, am I yeah, based on your work? Am I, am I, yeah. am I, is it my, am I close? It provides you such great context and metaphors. So, you mm. know, for instance, um, let me go back to, uh, originally when I was coming up, my, my primary sport was baseball. And whenever it is that I would get into a game, part of my consciousness for a long time, I would get fixated on trying to create certain outcomes, whether it was how I was pitching that day, number of strikeouts I wanted, or if I was at the plate, you know, the number of, number of, of base hits I wanted to get that day. And what would happen is I would create a lot of expectation and then a lot of performance anxiety because I was attached to trying to get that result. So I ended up being like really restricted at times because I was like so worried, like, am I going to get the hit today? Am I going to get the strikeouts today? What am I? And so I, I wouldn't, I would get myself into a place that I couldn't detach from the result that I wanted long enough to just be in the flow of the game. Mm. Because when you get that bottled up, you don't have full use of who you are. So I get really, really kind of, you know, choked up in whatever I was doing, but to perform at your best as an athlete, you need to be a lot more nimble and agile, which means your energy just needs to be in the flow. Well, if I take that analogy of being fixated on an expectation or a result, same thing goes for whether I'm a parent or whether I'm a leader is if I get too fixated on the result of what I'm trying to do inside of my business, and I had this happen as a leader, where it was like, no, this is the way that we need to perform. We need to hit these goals, hit these metrics this month, come hell or high water, we got to get there. I'd be more fixated on getting to the result as opposed to detaching for the result long enough to be in the flow of the process, which is what creates the result in the first place. And so that kind of you know understanding Anything that's going on for you in whatever your movement is, whatever your sport, whatever your performance happens to be, it's going to show you about how are you relating to trying to be at your best? How are you relating to try to get the results that you want to have in your life? And when you start to extract and recognize this is what gets me all you know, worried, this is what gets me fearful, this is what gets me tight and constricted, I guarantee you whatever's going on there in that sport is showing up in your relationships, it's showing up in your career, showing up in your leadership style. It's just a matter of changing some details. I, I listened to, um, it, that reminds me, you touched on the process and kind of this, this idea or this construct that we, you know, we, we like force our, we force our outcome without actually understanding that the process, right? And I think I was listening to, yeah. um, an Instagram post that you did. And it was, you know, I know that you, you've, you kind of led with that, you know, you said in your personal life, you said, Hey, this is what I, you know, these are the outcomes I want. And you kind of forced it, you know, you willed it into submission, exactly. right. Or tried to, <laughs> tried to um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, I'm certainly guilty of that, you know, as I being a very outcome oriented, focused, you know, driven individual, but trying to do that in a way that, that feels very, you know, it feels very natural and, and organic yeah. and feels, feels fulfilling. You know, it doesn't feel good to try to like, you know, beat your head against the wall and, and force these things. But yeah, like to back up, what's that, um, what's that process looked 
Mm-hmm. Like for you, and I, and I think you described it really well in the Instagram post I'm talking about is uh, you said like values, process, and death. And, and, the, and I'll let you get <laughs> into the death it. part, but that was really yeah. striking language that I, that I thought was great. Um, yeah. yeah, so maybe just let's unpack that because I think that was a really cool thing for me to hear because I've had so much of that experience myself. Yeah, absolutely. Let me, uh, let me actually start with the process side of that uh, only because of, of what you've been bringing up. Um, you know, when, when we want to create any given outcome inside our life, uh, what ultimately we need to recognize is that it's the process that we can most engage in. That's where we have for lack of, you know, I, I, I don't love the term, but that's where we have the most control is the more that we pour ourselves into the process, the results are going to take care of themselves. And very often though, we're told, no, worry about the result. You got to get the result. You got to get the result. And that's the wrong place to have your focus. You need to have it in the process. So anyway, what, uh, what I was describing in terms of the way that I've performed and really the way that I've created change inside of my life was uh, about this notion of values, process, and death. And so for me, when I started to go through a pretty significant shift in the way that I wanted to show up in my life, I recognized I did not want to force things. I did not want to go about trying to, you know, just, you know, like you said, use my will to force it into existence to, to happen a certain way. And I wanted to release a lot of that and just honestly be more authentic, enjoy my life more, be a lot more present and allow things to flow. What I recognized that my values were changing. So when my values changed from being very highly achievement oriented, very goal focused, and now they were much more relational they were about the journey that I was going to be on and, and what was going to be the enjoyment and the presence I was going to have along the way, not just at these particular milestone moments. Uh, what I recognized is that as my values began to shift, the process that I was using to achieve my goals needed to catch up because my process was still very much about how do you get the goal? I got to drive after the goal. I got to do these things, right? And so it was still very much almost uh, like trying to control uh, my life and control all my circumstances to get to that level of achievement. And it was completely counterproductive to what my values were. And so I felt like this dichotomy that was breaking down in me where I wanted to experience life in a different way, but I was using an old process like layered on top of those new values and it wasn't working. And so ultimately the process had to change And the way that I interacted with life needed to change, but the only way that I could get that process to change was I needed to allow death into my life, meaning I needed to allow elements of my identity. I needed to allow um, even some of the, the gifts and the talents and strengths that I had. I had to allow some of the way that I envisioned my future. I had to allow a lot of that to die. I had to like surrender it because it was parts of me and who I was that was showing up in the way that I was trying to live my life that was just no longer true and congruent to the depth of who I was. And so I needed to to let those things begin to die off. Um, we can go into what that that looked like. Uh, it was it was not an overnight process. <laughs> it was a, it was a bit yeah. you know a bit, bit you know as as you got to you know get through. But I'm sure you know Taylor, you've probably been through some of this. Like when you've gone through different levels of performing in your life, it's not like you're the same you know, level of athlete and you can't perform in the same way as you did 15 years ago. And so you've got to constantly evolve. And as you evolve, you need to evolve who you are, not just your tactics. You need to draw, you know, evolve more and more of who you are and how you're showing up. 
So I'm, I'm curious actually for you, if you can, you know, if you even relate to those types of moments where you felt the way that you wanted to show up in life, the way you wanted to perform were changing and you needed to change as much as who you were as the actual, you know, tactics of, of what you were doing. Yes. Uh, the answer uh, is, is yes, for sure. Um, and I mean, to expand on that and what you said, one of your points really resonates is the way that I found that to be most impactful for me was when I realized that, that the relationship component, um, was the primary driver versus driving for the outcome, right? It, it was, it, it, the outcome came or, or the, whatever it is, you know, that I wanted and however I wanted things to unfold. And this is a pro I always have to check myself cause I still, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drive from that place when I'm stressed or when I, you know, yep. and I, and I, and I have to, you know, kind of realize those triggers. But when I surround myself with relationships that are supportive and I, and I lean into that support mm -hmm. and that's when that's, it always works. Right. And when I force it, it, ne it never works or it feels awful. Maybe, it, you know, that's the problem sometimes is that, you know, it, it, it can, it can work for a, a little bit or work enough that it, exactly. it, it reinforces these behaviors. Exactly. And, and so, you know, you're like, well, you know, I don't need that, but it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not enjoyable to your, I mean, first and foremost, that's what you said. Like if nothing else, it's not fun, you know, <laughs> and the process is not something that you want to be engaged in long-term and, you know, and whether that's in sport or in life or career or, you know, relationships, you know, with partners or friends or whatever. Um, so yeah, to your question, I mean, I, I there has definitely been a, a big, values shift. And I've had to do that several times in lots of different areas of my life. Um, and a lot of that is, is, you know, it's a bit of expectation realignment. It's to say, yeah. yes, the sum total of these things, while they look different are still valuable, right? There is, there is an intrinsic value in this process. And while that process will look and feel differently, as long as it's in the pursuit of things that I'm passionate about, mm -hmm. then that is, that's what matters. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I've heard it described as, you know, it's, it's the total body of work, right? While, yeah. while the specifics of that change over the course of your life, are you moving in the pursuit of these things that you're most passionate about? And, yeah. and yeah, that's changed, you know, tons of times. And it's brutal sometimes, you know, absolutely. when I, when I stopped, when I wasn't, you know, an athlete and racing and performing at the level that I used to it. I mean, that was a brutal transition to make peace with that and to realize what that was going to look and feel like. But, you know, I've since found more joy in the process of that yeah. consistent movement practice than I ever did when I was, you know, quote, you know, fit or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, no, it's, I, I, and honestly, I, that I'm just, I, I'm fascinated by continuing to be a student of that process. Yeah. You know, I really think that's such an impactful thing. Even, even the way you describe it, you know, is, is a, you know, something I'm going to point out to everybody, which is a great way of thinking about this is 
this is like a, it's a constant evolution that we're going through, right? It's not, we don't travel life in some straight line. We travel it in a series of cycles that, that keep mm-hmm. coming back around, even though they may look different. And so we're going to go through these, you know, these iterations multiple times within the course of our life. Some are going to be easier than others. Some are going to be really brutal, as, as you said. Um, and as we're going through them, you know, something else that you mentioned, which is, is a critical point uh, to, to capture is that we're going to like, as we're starting to make these changes, you know, relate to the way that we want to do things in a new way, uh, perform in a different way. There are going to come moments where we're going to get stressed. We're going to get triggered and we're going to start reaching for the old way of doing things. And we're going to reach for that old way because it's, it's familiar. It's ingrained with us. And we know that to some degree it's going to pay off. It's just not going to pay off quite where we want it to anymore, but it's really alluring. And it takes away when we go to the old patterns the key is that it's taking away the discomfort. And that's the thing we've got to be aware of is mm. it's, it's like those old patterns show up and say, no, 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 come back this way, do it, you know, do it the old way. It's really familiar. It's really safe here. And it wants to invite you back that way. But the more and more that we can embrace those moments of, of discomfort and even severe discomfort as we're making the types of changes to, to do things and relate to things in a new way, that's where the real growth is going to come from. That's where you're going to see the leap in, in fulfillment and performance and even in just general satisfaction of what you're doing, because you're going to get through that wall. Now to get through that wall, you said something else that was critical, which is that's where for you, the relationship, you know, being a value of relationship, which is also very true for the shift that I've made, uh, in my own values is that leaning on support, leaning on those other people who know a bit more about where you want to go and kind of hold that space for you and almost like pull you forward at times is a really, really critical part of this process too. Uh, whenever we try to change or perform higher or, or whatever it is we're transitioning into even, if we're trying to do it alone, it's just so much more challenging. And yeah. so for us to be able to, you know, if we're lucky enough to have that team around us, lean on it. If we don't, then we've got to seek it out, whether it's through finding a group, finding a circle, finding a team, finding a coach, whatever it's going to be, to have that level of social support in in making the types of changes and adjustments we want to make. I want to go back to discomfort because I think that that's that's a you know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a popular topic now too. So I, I, want, I want to be I, I I want to lean into it because sure. I want to contextualize it appropriately. Yeah. Right. I, I think, you know, we get lured into lots of different ways that that shows up in our lives. Right. And that a lot of that is, um, you know, comes with, with, without any grace, you know, and it's like discomfort at all costs, right. Throw yeah. everything else aside. Um, so, so, so what has that balance looked like for you? Mm-hmm. Cause I, I certainly agree. I think that there there is a tremendous amount of value in in doses of discomfort and making sure that we're we're engaging in that space in a meaningful way where you know it actually pulls us to to be better you know and whether that's you know personal growth physical growth whatever so yeah what's what how is discomfort what's that look and feel like for you yeah it's you know i i i'm glad you started to make the distinction you were making here we're talking about discomfort not punishment <laughs> yeah. and and by that right is that if if we're seeking out discomfort in a way that is not healthy and is not balanced, then it's because we're trying to take something out on ourselves, whether it's a, mm. a feeling of shame or blame or guilt or whatever that's underneath it. 
it's it's not a healthy relationship with discomfort. Uh, what I mean in discomfort is, you know, when we begin to feel, let's use resistance, okay? And actually, let me let me use this as uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, Stephen Pressfield in the uh, the War of Art uh, said that we have two lives. We have the life that we live and then the unlived life in, within us. The difference between the two is resistance. And so the, the, this issue of discomfort I'm talking about is that resistance. It's that, that part that starts to really kind of build up because it feels like something new is coming and anything new is considered threatening. It's the part that lets you know, I feel like I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing something that's congruent for me. And so you're getting like these warning, these discomfort signs. It says, no, this is not something that you want to do. It's not truly authentic to who you are. Uh, that's another form of discomfort. It can just simply be starting to come face to face with some of maybe your fears and some of your worries and your doubts. And instead of doing what you would normally do, which might be numbing out, it might be distraction. It might be burying yourself in some other old activity, turning towards those things and saying, I'm not going to look away this time. Because I actually want to know where are these coming from? What's what's behind these? Well, that can be a really unsettling and dis, you know discomfort, uncomfortable situation. Um, but we're approaching it with this idea that there's something on the other side of this that is more genuine, that is more authentic, that is my higher self, my more loving self, my higher performance self, however we want to frame it. And so we're going through that discomfort with intention. We're going through it with consciousness. We're going through it with the intention of, of maybe healing as opposed to just kind of taking it on as, as some form of, of, you know, punishment on ourselves. Um, and so it, it's just this different orientation that allows you to be in balance with what's going on. And to, I think, something else you were alluding to, uh, it doesn't mean that you stay in perpetual discomfort all the time for the sake of like being a martyr of look at what I can put up with. Yeah. Uh, it's not that it's you go, same as we mentioned before, go through cycles of it. So there's going to be periods of time that are going to have discomfort. And then you should be able to come out of that discomfort with the new realizations, with the learning, the growth, the healing that's, that's begun and enjoy that work that through in your life, work it through in the way you communicate, work it through in your relationships and what have you. And then ultimately you're going to come up to another plateau. And when you come up to that plateau, the discomfort's going to be there again and say, okay, you're hitting up against that ceiling again. We've got some more stuff to work through. You haven't cleared out yet. Hmm. What's the application of, of, of what we learn from discomfort? What does that look like? Because I think that that's so often, and I'm curious your experience, you know, professionally and, and personally, how do we take what we've learned from discomfort or how do we, how do we even recognize what we mm -hmm. learned from that discomfort? And then how do we, how do we execute, you know, how do we apply it? Um, yeah. What again, pre professionally yeah. or personally, how do we take that and actually put it in our lives to move, you know, move us forward in a direction that feels, that yeah. feels good, you know, or productive or yeah. however we want to describe that. So if I, I break that down into two parts is, you know, first is learning to be with that discomfort. And so, you know, for me, I had to recognize when I would get into those uncomfortable circumstances, situations, whatever they were, I knew that by and large, my, some of my default mechanisms were going to kick in, uh, defense mechanisms, which are around wanting to feel safe, 
And that means my way of feeling safe was trying to take control of things because that, that could control my environment in a given moment. And so when I would feel that level of discomfort or resistance, I knew that that's where like my default mechanisms would go in that direction to, to keep myself safe. But I also know that that was not always the healthiest way to be in relationship with other people. It wasn't always really truly being authentic with them and owning what it was that I was going through. And so as, as for me, just personally, the more that I was able to recognize when discomfort was coming up, which has a physical feeling to it, right? It might be a little different for each of us, but there's probably the feelings that take place in the gut that feel like those butterflies. It feels like that anxiety. It might feel like, you know, a lot of uh, tightness that's going on in the chest or across the heart area. And in a given moment, we can begin to recognize there's discomfort that's here. And for me, it was beginning to recognize those signs. And as opposed to closing down in the sense of trying to take control, it was how can I actually use these moments of opening up into? And so when I would say opening up into, it may be even just naming, uh, hey guys, you know what I'm getting, I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm not exactly sure what is like triggering that for the moment, but there's something here that's really uncomfortable to me. And can you, do you mind if I just take a few minutes to kind of sit with, is it the direction of the conversation? Is it what you're asking of me or what I'm asking of myself? Is it, you know, and I'd ask myself just kind of these check-in type questions to understand where's this even coming from? Uh, is this a gut response? Do I feel threatened for some reason? Most of those are all, you know, in my past. They have nothing to do with what's actually going on right in front of me at that particular moment. And so if I could then learn to open up, I could then ultimately see there's a lot of actual, uh, you know, different perspectives as to how I can see this moment, this circumstance that I happen to be in. I could choose to view it from this perspective that feels like I'm trapped, I got to control, I'm fearful, I'm worried, whatever. Or I can say, that's actually not going on right here. That's not what's occurring right now. And lean forward in a more vulnerable, more open way and interact with what was right in front of me and, and get a better sense of where do we want to go from here. Um, ultimately, I guess, you know, from a practical standpoint, uh, a lot of this was me starting to unearth a lot of unintentional and unconscious behaviors. Um, and unconscious ways of showing up with, with people in my life. Um, and once you start to unwind that, it's, it's actually less about, it's less about what it's replaced by because what it's replaced by is just more authentically who you are. It's like this natural part of you just starts to come through because it's no longer has to be filtered through all of the other baggage that you have carried through to this point. And so, uh, for me, that's actually what I think resulted was, I'm just, I'm more open. I'm more easygoing. Uh, I do show my emotions a whole lot more uh, in, in just kind of a freer and safer way, uh, which allows me to communicate a lot more openly and, and freely with people um, and really not need to control what's going on uh, to instead just be recognizing of what's this space that we're in right now and what's trying to emerge uh, mm. and to be, you know, to be there. It's such a challenging thing for people <laughs> To do, you know, it's so, you know, I think natural in the sense that we do it so much, you know, we show up as like an augmented version of, of who we think we want or need to be, right? And we ascribe that to like every scenario every day, right? It's okay, this is what I'm supposed to be in my work. And this is who I'm supposed to be at home. And, you know, certainly on the athletic side, you know, you know, doesn't matter what my body's telling me, this is the type of athlete I'm supposed to be. And we tune all these things out. 
and, and ultimately to our detriment in any number of ways. Um, you know, again, physically, you know, if it's a, in athletics or if it's just our inability to communicate effectively because we've tried to be someone else, you know, when really that's something I've found, you know, it's like, as I've, as I've, you know, matured and as a leader and, and, you know, done different things. I'm like, I came to the realization like, Oh, actually all you really need to do is just show up as yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, it's, that's the, that's the, it's some, for some reason, yeah. It, it, that's the harder thing to do, right? Even though it, it requires less prep work and less management, you know, mentally and emotionally. And, but yeah, just to show up and be like, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. This is what I, you know, this is what I need from you. What do you need from me? Right. Yes. Open, yes. But, but that's, that's a hard thing to, to arrive at. It was for me. And I, you know, and people, absolutely right. We, we do a lot of prep work to show up for, 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 for whatever scenario, you know, we're, yeah. we're interacting with. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, what's that, I, I guess, you know, have you seen that when, when, when we do less of that prep work, you said for yourself personally, I mean, it's communication, it's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's um, I mean, that how has that impacted your, your life? I mean, it has oh. to have made massive difference a massive difference you know and i i, I just for a moment because I, I love the perspective or, that you added in there of you know us being who we are and when what that reflects on is us not trying to be somebody else and we spend you know we spend this whether it's at an athlete a leader a parent or, or anybody in our lives we are we're so impressionable when we're growing up and we're developing and there's so much pressure from, you know, media influences and social media influences and everything else that we get these kind of conjure up of, oh, I want to be like this. I want to be like her. I want to be like him. And we put that out there and we end up losing ourselves in the process. Now combine that with us feeling as if we're being judged by other people or we're comparing ourselves to others. And so now we've got these mechanisms of defense that start to creep in because we're like, oh, no, 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 I've got to protect this part. I've got to show I'm stronger. I've got to show how brave I am or how good I am or whatever. And we start to shut down some of those more vulnerable parts of who we are. So if that stuff, like the more that we can let those things go, the more that we can, you know, let those fall by the wayside, this more truthful version, authentic version of who we are begins to emerge. And it's a version of us that also includes letting a bit of our ego go. Mm-hmm. And I mean the the weaker ego, the one that needs to prove itself, the one that needs to protect itself go so that we can show up more genuinely as we are. Now for me, the difference it's made in, I mean, all aspects of my life, um, it's made, you know, I think first and foremost for, for me is how it shows up at home. Uh, me being able to just be present with my kids, um, being, you know, present with who they are and what are their kind of natural, unique gifts and personalities and perspectives on the world without me trying to say, this is what I think you should do with your life. And you've got to go to this school and you got to get these grades. You got to get this. It's like, no, that's, that's all just conditioning. Let, let's let that go and let's see who you really are and what's your path supposed to be. And let's help you figure out what that's going to be. So I do that with my kids. Uh, my wife and I are, are, are like that now. Um, so that we can relate in a different, a different realm. Cause it's not always about trying to get to the next thing or achieve the next thing. Uh, it's translated into 
why I have, you know, the, a lot of what I'm doing for my own podcast uh, that, that I do on, on this walk that is so much of sharing what this journey has been because I want to get into more authentic and real conversations of this is what life looks like. And this is, you know, this is this winding journey that we happen to be on. How can we make it more fun? How can we make it more enjoyable? How can it be more authentic to who we uniquely are? Um, and I think to, I, the only other thing I'll add is you, you know, when you say being who you are and showing up that way for everybody to know, this is, you know, it's not an excuse to be opinionated. It's not an excuse to just say everything that comes out of, you know, in your mind, right? It's not the, this is my truth and I'm telling my truth to the world. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not that it's to be able to really understand the way you're experiencing life and to be able to share that, express that with people in a way that that's open and not meant to defend yourself or put them on the defensive, mm -hmm. but to just be a bit of, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through right now, or this is how I reacted to that. Whether you intended it or not, it's okay. It's just how I took it. Um, so that we can just be, you know, more open with who we are and less assuming about the way other people may or may not be judging us. Uh, I think it's time for us to kind of let a lot of that fall by the wayside and start interacting with people from this much more, you know, this, this space of more shared humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the, <laughs> I love the point. I think that, you know, it's become a bit of a popular trope maybe is this, you know, yeah. well, this is just who I am and, and, you know, I'm just being <laughs> authentic. Well, you know, yeah, there's there's a there's a real difference between authenticity and an inability to 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 listen. Um, yeah, you know, and um, if yeah. you think you know, if you think of it as is like one of those uh, Russian nesting dolls, right? The doll within the doll within the doll within the doll, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the very very center is who we really truly are in our most authentic, and wrapped around that are the the different ways we try to present ourselves, the ways that we try to be like other people, the ways that we try to protect ourselves and defend ourselves. So when we're talking about what, what Taylor, you and I are saying is to be who you are, we're talking about that innermost doll that is truly who you are, not through the ego, not through the protection mechanisms, not through the I'm right, you're wrong levels of judgment. It's none of those things. It's just really genuinely no, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. And it's not to say you're, you're right or you're wrong or that I'm right or I'm wrong. It's just say this is who I am. Yeah. I feel like we're, I know a lot of your work is in consciousness and spirituality and it, it strikes me that certainly a lot of what we're talking about is there has to be a certain degree or even a fair amount of, of consciousness, right? You have to be willing to to listen to yourself and your body and, and, you know, and, and really, again, it's not, it's not because the, the, the line is very fine between who you actually are and who you think you are supposed to be. Right. And I think yeah. we, we can all, we can get pulled very quickly into this. Well, this oh, is yeah. who I am. Right. And it's very blurry and we maybe have spent so much time yeah. trying to be this other person or, or show up in these other ways that now we've don't even know who, who it looks absolutely. like. Uh, um, so, I mean, is, is consciousness, does it, is that a first step or is that play a role in trying to, to get to this clear picture of what it actually looks like to show up? Yeah. You actually, you use the critical word, which is actually willingness mm. because when we are willing to look at ourselves through almost like new or more honest eyes, that's what opens the door. You know, it's, it's that willingness to say, what am I not seeing? 
it's the willingness to say, you know, maybe I'm showing up in ways that aren't authentically me, or I'm showing up in ways because that's what I think I'm supposed to be, or I should be. And it's just a willingness to start asking those questions, which bring, you know, bring you to a place of just greater self-honesty. And it's through that, I mean, it's that level of, of self-awareness and self-honesty, that's what opens up consciousness. Because now you're, now you're in this place of willingness and openness to explore those types of conversations. And what you're, when I say that what you're assuming, what you're assuming is that you're not always right. But I want to, I want to, I want to clarify this because when I say, say it this way, it's not like you're to blame or you're wrong about something. It's more this sense of maybe there's a lot more here that I haven't seen. And so I want to see more of the complete picture of who I am. And that includes the things I love and the things I don't love. It means the things that I know and trying to find what are the things that are in my blind spots. It's, you know, how is it that the ways that I enjoy and love showing up with other people and being aware of maybe some of the ways that other people are concerned about the way that I show up or, or don't enjoy those, those attributes of who I am. And it's being able to look at all of those, the whole picture of who it is that we are. Uh, that's what starts to really grow into our consciousness and, and does it help us design the way we really want to be in the world. But it starts with exactly, it starts with willingness. That's, you can't get past that. Like it, willingness and openness are, are the beginning of that journey. Do you find that there's a need to create space for that? Because one of the things that, that I, you know, when I talk to people and read on the athlete side or leadership side or whatever, there, there's first typically always a conversation around, I mean, boiled down, just available time, right? Yep. It, people say... Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, they're just running from from thing to thing, and exactly. and you know, and and there's we could get into busyness and this, that, and the other. But I, I'm curious, just how, how, what's your advice to create space, or is there a need for space to to even begin to unpack some of these things? Because I we we so rarely sit with ourselves long enough to 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 ask these questions, yeah. and, and and that Weird. feels like the first. You yeah. know, where, where's that space come from or how, how do we, so I don't know what, yeah, what's that? You're on, you're on point. I mean, Taylor, you're, you're spot on that creating some level of space for this to begin to unfold in your life is, is a, a key piece of it. Um, and so let me first is understanding if we don't create time and just like you said, we've got one thing on top of the next, there's literally no space for us to start to look at the events of, and experiences of our life at lives and decide, are these really, you know, stacking up the way that I like them to? Uh, am I enjoying this? Um, is this, is this heading in a direction like the momentum that I've got going on in my life right now? Is this heading where I want it to head based on the events that are occurring right now? If we don't take time to intentionally break that momentum, then it's, that's it. The, the, you know, the restless script is already written. And so we do need to create that type of space. Now it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, uh, taking a ton of time right into your schedule right away, you can take time to begin to build it in. It might just simply be spending a half an hour in the morning with one reflective question a day 
or, you know, for some that begins with meditation. It doesn't have to be meditation. Uh, it could be taking that reflective question and go for a walk before you go for your exercise, your run, your whatever else you do. Uh, it could be taking that question and journaling with it for, you know, for, uh, for a half an hour. Um, and so it's just beginning to build a little space into your calendar. And the way that I've, I did this for myself and I recommend this for a lot of the clients I work with is if you look at what are the, I kind of look at it as, is like the, the overall routines and rituals over the course of a year. And so what are the little things that you want to be doing on a daily basis that help you start to feel a little bit of the space and do this work? What are the things you may do only once a week? What are the things you may only do once a month? What are the things you may do only once a quarter, once every six months, once a year? So you're not going to go on a retreat every weekend. That's going to get really expensive really quick, but you may go on a retreat once a year. Uh, you, may, uh, you may take a whole day to yourself without your family once a quarter, maybe even once a month, or maybe you do that as a couple with, with your partner. And you take one day that's just about you guys, and it's with the intention of focusing on yourselves. And so it's you can build into the space. It doesn't have to be like all up front or, or chunked in that manner. Uh, look at it over the course of a given year, and you can start to find ways of building it, you know, building it in in that regard. I think that's so, so often we we try to start, you know, we, we, we forecast out the effort required to get yeah. to some mythical end result. Right. And that seems <laughs> overwhelming. You know, we're like, well, if I have to do X, Y, and Z, I'll never get there. You know, I need to be perfect today. And, and I think specifically with, you know, with high achievers, right. You know, I, we see this a lot in, in the athlete spaces. If, if you're, you know, if, you, if you're setting audacious goals as an athlete, well, you certainly have audacious goals in your career and your relationships and your, you know, and so when you're firing in all cylinders or you're, you're attempting to, there the, the idea of small steps seems, yeah. you know, people don't start there. And so, I, I mean, I, I love that idea of just, you know, trying to just, what can you do now to move you in that direction um, yeah. and, 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 and see where that leads? <laughs> even for those audacious goals, if, you know, if you think of it as what's the small step today, what's the step that's 50% bigger than that small step, you know, next week, what's the step that's 50% bigger than that three weeks out. And all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, it's this progression that begins to take over and build. Uh, it's no different than, you know, adding weight at the gym. You don't add it on, you know, tons of pounds day after day after day after day, you create some type of progression, but that progression doesn't have to be a straight line. It can be an, an upward sloping J curve based on taking on a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, a bit more because your capacity is constantly growing. And that's the same idea of what I'm talking about is, you know, if you start with some of the small steps over time, the amount of momentum that that can build and the exponential growth that it can create uh, is substantial. What I, I know you do a lot of work as it relates to balance and, and we're, I feel like we almost can't talk about what we're talking about now and making space and, you know, and, and high performance and these different things without, without talking about balance and, and people's quest for it. You know, that's what everybody's trying to arrive at, at, at some version of it that arguably 
you know, seems to set them up for failure oftentimes, right? It's, it's, it's equal pieces of a pie that don't exist exactly. and it's hypothetical. And um, exactly. So just maybe at a baseline, what's your take on, on balance? How do we, how do we sure. talk about it? And yeah. 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 I mean, you, you already started to give away uh, part of it, which is, you know, balance is not meant to be equal parts of, of the pie. Uh, you know, some people have that image of almost like Lady Justice, right? Who's you know balancing all of the scales in perfect equilibrium. Nope, not talking about that either. It's it's honestly it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the best way to relate to balance is I think of think of the image of a surfer, and why I say that is because life, much like that wave, is going to break in any number of different directions at any different times, and based on how it wants to break, not based on how the surfer wants it to break. The surfer has to be balanced in the core of who they are to be able to navigate that wave and enjoy the ride. And so for me, balance first and foremost is an inner game. And so it's about how do we create inner balance, which comes down to uh, just a couple of uh, core factors as I was taught from from my own teacher, Carissa, uh, that we talk about simplicity, stability, surrender, and stillness. Because when we can bring these, these four S's as it were, into the truth of who we are, that simplicity is going to build resilience within us. That stability is going to give us strength. That surrender is going to give us courage. And that stillness is ultimately what's going to connect us to a greater sense of awe, a different presence that we're going to be able to have within our lives. And so we want to build these from an inner point. And once we have that inner balance, it is so much easier for us to be able to navigate what's outside of ourselves. What's outside of us begins to get simple, stable, and at a line and resonant with who it is that we really are. But it's because we've gotten so clear about inwardly who we really are. Hmm. I see a lot of parallels there. I, I, I often use exercise or, again, a consistent movement practice as a way to highlight that that if you if you if you show up for yourself first in mm-hmm. essence you're creating that balance right you you are mm-hmm. you're check you know you're you're showing up for yourself you're making that time you're telling yourself that that time is valuable and equal to the time that you pour out into other endeavors um and and it's kind of you know only then can you go out into the world and and hope to find balance elsewhere right if you're out of balance internally if you're not if you're unable um if you're unable to to check in with your body and listen and one of the ways to do that is through movement and it can just be a walk it can be meditation right doesn't we're not talking about intensity um yeah what so then so then with 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 the internal balance is there a practice similar to um to kind of the consciousness conversation we're having that we could work to, to, to kind of slowly build into that. Cause I find people, you know, it's all or nothing. Right. It's, and they, and they, yeah, they yeah, often yeah. rate themselves at the end of every day. Right. I was balanced or I wasn't balanced. Right. Which mm-hmm. to your point, it's bullshit, right. You, you don't, it's the sum total of all these things, but, but how do we start to, you know, how do we start to, to move in a direction where we feel we feel less frantic and we feel less like a failure yeah. when we have not reached this predetermined ascribed pie balance that right. we're all looking for? Right. You know, there's right. a lot there. I'm throwing a lot of terms out, but yeah, yeah. What, what's the what's the first bite we can take? 
So just to to keep this all in context, everything we're talking about is consciousness, right? Everything we're talking about is the way in which we we relate to and experience the world. Um, And so with, with, you know, inner balance, it's the same thing. You're not going to have, you know, that level of, of balance achieved in a week. It's going to be a process. So it is a, uh, you know, the small step type of routine where it may just simply be on any given day as part of maybe that morning writing or a check-in that you do with yourself at the end of the day is thinking about, okay, where could I have had greater simplicity in, in my life today? What would have simplified things for me? And, and let me look at myself, meaning sure, this situation or this person could have made this simpler on me, but let me bring it back to me of how did I interact with it? that maybe made this more complicated than it needed to be. Mm. How did I interact with somebody, something that I could have interacted more simply or more authentically? What is it that I am believing about a given circumstance that keeps tying me in knots and entangling me or keeping me attached to a certain outcome? Whereas if I were to let go of that belief and instead form one that was more open and could just hold space for whatever it is that's trying to happen right now, what might that be? And so it's, it's creating... Again, it's a reflective practice of looking at what are these elements that make up balance for me. And so I, I named four that work for me um, of simplicity, stability, surrender, and stillness. But to, for somebody to look at, okay, what is it that has me feel a greater sense of balance? Or another word for that is peace. What has me feel a greater sense of peace within myself? And then they can start looking at what are the beliefs that bring that to me? What are the values that I have that keep me connected to that? What are the actions or the habits or the rituals that I create in my life that connect me to this feeling, correct, correct, connect me to this sense. And the more they do that work, the more that then on any given day they can say, well, how, how well did I align myself to that? Oh, I was about 80% of the way there. Cool. What are the adjustments that I can make based on what I saw today? Mm. It's a process. It's interesting because I feel like I love the idea of, you know, of bringing it inward because I think when 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 you when you speak with someone or or if we feel out of balance, right? I'll use air quotes, but we we ascribe that to it's something else's fault, right? Exactly. You know, in in like if I'm talking to an athlete, for instance, we'll we'll use you know just making time for consistent movement, and if that is part of a balanced life, then it the the conversation is well work well family well right we 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 project out and and we we blame these interruptions these things that are keeping us from from moving through our days in a way that is in alignment with who we want to be right we say this is something i value but i'm not able to accomplish it because of external yep. x y and z um it is am i am i is is that am i picking up on on it, is that it, right? absolutely that is that is usually part and parcel to this conversation, exactly what you're bringing up right now. Huh. And a lot of what it then stems around is that the the things that we point to, we've got to be honest with ourselves about what's the choice that I've made. Hmm. Because most of us, you know, are going to, we've got certain priorities in our life and priorities that we have chosen. But if we do not reconnect to the fact that they're a choice, those choices feel like obligations over time. Mm. obligations to our family, obligations to our partner, obligations to work or what have you. And now it feels like drudgery. It feels like, well, I've got to do those things. Well, do you have to do it that way? Did you choose to take that job? 
Did you choose your partner? Did you choose your family? Did you, you know, what, what are the choices that you have actually made that have created this? And now are you saying you still want to make those same choices or do you want to do those things differently? Those are different choices. And so it's, it's reminding first and foremost that many of the things that we point to, we've chosen in some way and we're involved in how we relate to them no matter what. And so we need to start there because when we can start to say, yeah, actually, you know what? I have, I have chosen all of these things. Here's the, you know, 80% with maybe my family, my partner, whatever that I, I have. I don't want to change anything about those. I want to continue to honor those that time. Maybe that's part of my values, but you know what? This work that I've got, it doesn't work the same way for me anymore. Maybe this isn't the right space for me to be in, or maybe there's a different relationship that I can have with that job or this, this work that I've got that is better for the schedule that I want to create or the freedom that I want to create for myself. We've got to step back and take a look at when do we need to re-choose many of the things we have in our life. Hmm. What a brilliant first step. I, I so often I, I've described it as proactive versus reactive, right? And, and, yes. and so often we spend all of our time being reactive in our lives, mm-hmm. how we move through our days mm-hmm. versus thinking about things proactively and then setting ourselves up to, to move through our days to live our lives in a way that's in alignment exactly. with with what we want to do, right? Versus sitting back and saying, well, you know, shit, this, the job's stressful and I don't, now I don't have time for family and I don't, right. It's just, it becomes a spiral when you like bounce from, from fire to fire, right. You're putting out, you know, and and that's that reactive mentality. And, and so many people, unfortunately, I feel like you're just, you're just in that space. You know, they can't zoom out enough to, to see the opportunity to take some of these stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, I just love, you know, it's, I, I don't, I don't know the exact example from, cause you, you were, um, right. High performance in, in cycling and mountain biking and things like that. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So I, I don't know the exact ana- analogy for that, but I know like when you're in a, as from a, being a baseball player for many years, when you were in a slump, you start chasing the bad pitches and it's difficult to not see the bad. It's like, oh, I know it's there and you're swinging anyway. You just keep kind of going after it. you're reacting to what's there. And you, you need some form of a reset. You need that moment of being able to take a pause and being able to start seeing things differently. And that's, I love that, that posing of reactive to proactive, because that's what you're describing is, wait a minute, let me step back here. Let me take a wider view of what's going on. Let me look at the choices to go after this, to go after that, that I'm making. And how is it that I can begin to see this and interact with this differently? But at some point we need that pause, that reset to take a look at the choices that we've been making so that we can choose something that's much more proactive. So we're working towards to create what we want as opposed to just feeding into the cycle we happen to be stuck in. What do you think keeps people from, from stepping back from making those decisions? Cause it certainly, I think plenty of people realize that there is an opportunity for growth or there, there could be some other, some other outlets, but, but, but we so often stay stuck. So yeah. What, what's, what keeps people from, from, from making the steps we're talking about. And until the pain of our current circumstances are, you know, greater than the pain of change, we won't make a change. Mm. And so we, we get stuck in routine. We are as human beings, we're unbelievably adaptable. And so once we begin to adapt to whatever that circumstance is, we just start running on autopilot 
and and we kind of cruise in that type of direction. And so then to think about making a change from that, it's like, well, is that change really going to be worth it? Am I going to get that much more out of it? Is it going to land me in a spot that's better than what I'm in right now? So therefore, is it even worth the effort? And our brain is just like, no, stay where you are. It's comfortable. Just It's familiar. Just kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy for us to get stuck in that type of a pattern in that regard. Uh, that's why we've got to create opportunities for that type of reflection and introspection. Um, you know, whether it is a little bit of time on your calendar each day or each week, or it is going to something bigger on a quarterly, semi-annual basis, whatever, to, to step back out of your life, you've got to create that type of an opportunity because, you know, to me, when we're stuck in that rut, it's, you know, I've heard it described as the momentum tunnel where, you know, we're just, all of our momentum is heading in this really, really kind of focused direction within our lives. And if we don't want it to go in that direction, or we don't want to stay the exactly the same way, the only way you can interrupt that momentum is by really, I mean, you need to create a real interrupt, a real stop so that you can begin to point in a different direction, as well as recognize you've got all this energy that was built up behind it. Well, you need that energy that was built up to slow down. The only way you got to do that is you got to take, you've got to create that, that special time to, to step out of what's going on. Um, so that, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is we've got to decide where do we want to go in our life? Are we really, truly completely happy with what is going on right now? Do we like the way that it's going? And if not, if it is not a hundred and 10% aligned of this is phenomenal. If it's anything less than that, it's, Hey, you know what? Let me just, maybe I take a day and I pause and reflect on what could change in any given moment. Um, that's really what we're going after. Incredible advice. I love, yeah. I mean, you know, if we could, if we could all just take, take a beat, you know, take a day and reflect, yeah. I mean, what, what, how transformative that could be, you know, if, if more people were moving through their days in a way that was in alignment with what they wanted. Um, and even it doesn't to take, take heroic right, effort. Even, even to take one day that you're going out for a run, one day you're hopping out on the, on the, the cycle for the first 15 miles, even whatever. Right. And just take that first 45 minutes to an hour of something and use it for being in your head to reflect on how things are going at the moment. You know, it, one of the, one of the things I'd run across many years ago that was, uh, just an eye opener for me, which is part of this, why do you want to take space was uh Bronnie Ware, a palliative care nurse wrote the, the blog article became a book called the top five regrets of the dying. And the number one regret is that I had wished I'd had the courage to be true to myself as opposed to the expectations of others. Wow. And I do not want to find myself at the end of all of this, recognizing I was not true to myself. And so to me, we want to take that space because it's not even just about the next thing, the next achievement, the next status, the whatever. It's for us to be able to say, am I truly congruent with who I feel that I am? And when this is all said and done, how am I going to feel about the way that I've lived my life? Wow. That's a, uh, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> powerful. And I, I mean, t- I, I, I completely agree. You know, I mean, I find myself, you don't want to be, I don't want to be overly existential, but certainly, you know, with each passing day, our time is limited. And am I, am I, yeah. am I doing things that I care about? You know, am I, yes. am I making the impact that I want? You know, am I, yeah. am I happy? Am I excited? You know, and sure there's, there's dips and lulls and life comes and, Absolutely. you know, but, but at the, yeah, when I step back, um, I sure hope that I'm able to say, and I'm, you know, I work towards it every day. Like I spent my time, like you said, 80%, 
doing what I, what I care about, you know, and spending time with the people that I care about and, and building those relationships and, and, and allowing them all those things to have an impact on me. Right. I'm not forcing it or trying to, to be any particular thing, you know, letting that, those experiences shape who I am. And, um, yeah, well, Luke, I can't thank you enough. That's beautiful words to end on. And yeah, if we could all just remember that even, um, you know, it's, it, throughout our day or throughout our month, we'd, uh, think we'd all be, um, we'd all be much, uh, much more satisfied. So I, I, I'm grateful for your time and, and your vulnerability and, and expertise. Thank you so much. Thank you, Taylor. Much appreciated.